I missed you. Hmm. Oh my. Uh, <coughs> I missed you too. So, uh, holy crap, Adina's in the chat room. Yeah, we have we have royalty in the chat room. Yeah, so dude, pressure's on now. Turn the stream on. I exchanged a couple of text messages with Adina. Mm-hmm, uh, that that was did. that was the highlight of my XOXO. I don't know about you. And my highlight was uh, trying to send those messages because <laughs> they were difficult. The, the reception was bad. Yeah, that's all right. They don't have artisanal cell cell phone towers, small batch cell phone towers in Portland. No, uh, I think that's the problem. They they tie the <laughs> the cell phone towers to the backs of goats. Oh god! Let them walk around the the town. Or city. I I, city, I really probably. city. I really can't throw stones. I don't know anything about Portland other than that the nineties are alive there. That's all I know. The dream of the nineties. Yeah. Whatever. Same thing. Oh goodness! All right. Uh, so you're back. You're back, and I'm excited. I missed you deeply. Mm-hmm. I am back. Um, I. Really am thankful for uh, Mr. Stephen Hackett for uh, pinch hitting. I keep saying pitch. Pinch hitting for you. Um, That was very kind of him. I thought he did a great job. Um, I especially liked some portions of the show, which I think we're going to be talking about momentarily. Um, But it is good to have my good friend Mike back. So how was your trip? I don't want to go into too much about XOXO. Stephen stole your thunder. But give me the uh, quick, the short, short version of the trip. The trip was great. There were some travel issues, but we got those resolved um, in so much as that Adina had couldn't fly through Canada and had to fly through uh, the U.S., so we had to book a flight for her in the airport. Yeah. Um, can I just stop you there and tell you that if that were me and I were flying to the United States for the first time, I might have just canceled the whole damn trip because I would not have wanted to have anything to do with that. So much respect to both of you, but particularly Adina, for just rolling with it. Yeah, she was a trooper, I must say, um, because she basically just dealt with it. Yeah, I right? oh, I don't know if I could do that. Mm-mm. But it was one of those scenarios where we were like, what are we going to do in this scenario? Mm-hmm. Like, do we... It's like, you know, Air Canada's not going to let us on. And she's like, you go. And I'm like, I'm not going to go on yep. my own. Like, because I would feel terrible, so I wouldn't be able to enjoy myself, Mm -hmm. and you would be at home feeling terrible and wouldn't have anything to do for a week and you're on holiday. Like, there was no good scenario for anyone, so, like, if she couldn't go, I was going to not go, even though my baggage was already on the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was already on the way to the plane at that point. So basically, it wasn't, in my mind, it was never a, um, I'm not going to go. It was sure. a, you are coming. Right. <laughs> no, uh, but Because uh, basically, I, I told a story briefly on Cortex, but just for anybody that doesn't listen, I've missed it. Um, Air Canada wouldn't let Adina fly because she didn't have a Canadian visa. She only had a US visa. And even though Vancouver Airport has U.S. customs, I didn't go for Canadian customs. I only went for U.S. customs. Um, the reasoning was in case they needed to take an emergency landing in Canada, which is just mind-blowingly stupid to me So a reason. Right. Like, what would have happened if the plane that she was on, which went to O'Hare, is that correct? But she flew to SFO, which flies over Canada oh, that's to right, get that's to right. SFO. Well, okay, so which, you see where I'm going with this. Exactly. If, well, what are they going to do? Are they, raise your hand as the plane is going down. Raise your hand if you do not have a Canadian visa so we can figure out where we will crash. You're going to have to stay in the wreckage. Right? Everyone I mean, else can jump out. This is That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. 
yeah so that was ridiculous so basically we were just in the airport and it was like in my mind my, what my brain was was running through was basically she is either gonna get a flight today or a flight tomorrow there is you know there's kind of in my mind she's gonna make this trip because another flight however much money that would have cost we would have wasted more money by her not being there like we would have wasted mm-hmm. a conference pass would have wasted her half of the hotel money like all of that would have been wasted and the original flight cost so in my brain the kind of weird economics was just as long as we can find a flight for under 1500 pounds like <laughs> we're kind of in a weird way it's all going to be okay because we're only wasting that amount of money anyway because it's already paid for uh but we ended up fi- finding a flight for half that price thanks to united and uh, she got their safe and sound and we were able to take the same flight back together which is excellent um it's funny because this might be the only nice thing anyone has ever said about united in my recollection um I know a lot of people, that's not fair, maybe five or ten, but it feels like a lot of people that are all in on United. You know, they fly United everywhere. They're, they've got, you know, a fair amount of miles on United. United is their carrier. And look at Gray as another example, whose um, mother, I believe, was a flight attendant. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you can jump in when you're ready. Um, a flight attendant on United. Well, anyways, all of these people who are all in on United – And all I hear about, even from people who are from Chicago, which is where United was based out of, if I'm not mistaken, all of them do nothing but complain and moan about United. These are the people with, like, serious status on United do nothing but complain about United. So this may very well be the only time I've ever heard anyone say anything nice about United in my recollection. I have something else to say. I I have nothing bad to say about United Airlines because of the one thing that they give me, which no other transatlantic airline can give me, which is Wi-Fi from the US to the UK and back. That is impressive. How much was that? It's $16 for a nine-hour flight. That's nothing. I'll pay $16 for a two- or three-hour flight on GoGo. It's not fast. Of course not. But... But it works. And flying with Wi-Fi for nine hours changes everything. Yeah, you're not flying for nine hours at that point. You're just you've just got a work day. Actually, that's an interesting and slightly depressing point, but a fair point nevertheless. Well, I mean, it's fine for me because I love what I do. Um, But it, it meant that I could happily leave some tasks like emails and stuff during the week could enjoy my holiday because I knew I had a nine hour block of time to do stuff like that on the way back. Yeah. And it was great. That worked out well. So is that what you did the whole way there and back? Not the whole way. I did sleep a little bit because well, it was sure. a weird flight time. Like, I don't always sleep. I don't always sleep. Um, like if I get an early flight out of San Francisco or something like that, like an early morning flight, I won't sleep. But this was like a... I think we left... We left Portland at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. And then we had a flight to O'Hare. And we were there for like an hour or so. And that was like a four-hour flight to O'Hare. Then we were there for like an hour or so and another eight hours. So it was was late, right, by Mm -hmm. my time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we arrived home at like 11 a.m. We went... Yeah, so that's where it kind of starts to mess you up is those kind of ones. We kind of, we both lasted until about maybe 5 or 6 p.m. where we fell asleep. 
and then we woke up like two hours later, which is the worst. I hate that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then I've kind of been all over the map jet lag wise. Really, I think I'm pretty much set now. Good, good. I, you and I had exchanged a couple of tweets, or I think I hijacked a conversation or something. No, I was listening to Cortex. That's what it was, and I sent you a tweet. Um, my understanding, based on zero facts and just hearsay, is that it takes about a day for each hour time difference. And at the time I was listening to Cortex, if memory serves, you had said it was something like three days later, and you, had, and you were getting up approximately um, three hours later than you were when you arrived or something along those lines. And so it's, you, you were matching the, um, I've never had as bad reverse jet lag. How do you mean? So, you know, like where, um, you, where you going the other way, right? So from East to West. Mm -hmm. So I was like waking up at stupid hours in the morning. And I think the reason is, is because usually when I'm doing stuff like that, uh, it's like WWDC or something where everybody's mm-hmm. out late drinking. So I'm out even though I'm tired. Mm-hmm. But with Adina there, we was like, well, we're tired now. Let's go to sleep. <laughs> so we would go and do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, which was good for many reasons. But what it did end up doing was meaning that I was waking up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. So hey ho. But it was a great trip. I loved it. I loved seeing everyone. It was a fantastic trip. Uh, my only thing, as of all of these things, is I was sad that I didn't get to see everyone that was there, let alone the people that couldn't make it. Right? Yeah. So like, I didn't get to spend enough time with any with anyone. Um, yeah. You never get to spend enough time with anyone in those scenarios. But I'm doing it all again in a couple of weeks' time. Don't ask me about my talk. I don't want to talk about it <laughs> right now. Okay. We'll talk, we will come back to this in maybe two weeks' time when I will feel in a lot better place about it. Okay. Um, I really want to move on from the XOXO stuff, mostly because I'm crying. Um, But before we do, what did Adina think of America? Um, Uh, To be fair, I'm asking you to put some words in her mouth, and let me apologize for you and myself. Um, I I understand that that's not a terribly fair question, but from the best you could tell, what did she think of America? I believe she's in the chat room right now, which is a a first time that that's ever happened, so she can feel free to pipe her own messages through the chat room interface. Uh, but I think maybe the prevailing thing is she liked it. She liked Portland a lot. But America has too much sugar. <laughs> Which is 100% accurate. Um, oh, okay. So oh very goodness. different is the is the main thing. But pretty cool. She wants to see more of it. Oh, but yes, that's uh, definitely that's it has too much sugar. I mean, because it does. <laughs> There's too much sugar in America. There's sugar in everything. She was oh, actually ill God. on the way home. Oh, that's and, not funny. Everything else is funny. That's yeah. not funny. And, and we put it down to too much sugar because she doesn't eat a lot of sugar and or processed food. So, mm. I mean, that was all she ate with sugar and processed food pretty much for, for a week because, you know. Even, Welcome to America. It, it's Portland, right? So I said to her, you didn't get the full American experience, uh, but it's still, the food is very different in America. I mean, yeah, it tastes I, good. On the whole, I on the whole like it, uh, but um, yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is very different in that way. To be fair, when I said it tastes good, I was just being silly. I actually will defend British food to the death. I actually think oh, British food is our very food's good. fantastic. It is. But we had some great American food. I think one of my favorite things that I had, um, Jim McDonald took us to a little Portland-based burger chain called Burgerville. And it was basically like McDonald's with good ingredients. <laughs> and we had it again in the airport. 
and and I really enjoyed those burgers because they were super simple. They were like a slice of Americana type burgers, you know. Um, yeah, I enjoyed those a lot. I mean, obviously, all of the great Portland food, like all the great food, uh, was just it's all fantastic. But I really enjoyed Burgerville because I'd never had it before, and it was kind of different, and I liked it a lot. And uh, Kathy in the chat room. She is a Portland native, and she is agreeing with how much she enjoys Burgerville. And as she has also mentioned, which I saw an advert for, they have fried asparagus there sometimes. So it kind of gives an idea as to you know the quality of the food that they have at Burgerville. I liked Burgerville a lot, Casey. I'm not going to lie. Excellent. All right. Any other thoughts about XOXO, about America, nope. about travel? Nope. Not for now, because I'm going to be traveling again soon, so we might as well save some of that stuff. Okay. So when are you and Adina coming to the correct coast of the United States? So, I hope, actually, and we're very much like, we have not got defined plans yet, That, but we are hoping, you know, depending on the home-saving thing, that we may make a trip to New York before the end of the year. Maybe. The end of this year? Be it before the end of this year, yeah. Stop. There is a possibility that this winter we'll be making a trip to the, to New York. Stop it. So. I'm crying. I'm so excited. It's not definite yet. It's um, happening. I've already heard it. You heard it here first. It's happening. They're committed. I really want to do it because I've always wanted to see New York. Oh, uh, my God. You've not been to New York. That's right. I've never been to New York. And I've, oh, I, wanted, God, I want Michael. to see it in, at winter. Like, I want to see it with snow. Oh, Michael. Oh, my God. I know. I Well, I was going to say I know New York, and that's not fair. But I know New York pretty well for someone who's never, ever lived there. And, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, we will all meet you there. I'm telling you now, I never I never make statements like this without Aaron's, I was going to say approval, but that sounds terrible, without conferring with Aaron. But we will meet you there. It'll happen. I would hope so. So, yeah, that's not on the books yet. Um, but house saving's going really well. Really Good. well, actually. Yep. We're going to a, um, like a home fair next weekend. Mm-hmm to talk to and get a bit more information about um, this type of uh, property scheme that we want to get on. Uh, again, scheme <laughs> is a good thing. My first thought was, what? Oh, right. You never mind. Yeah. We've been through this before. We uh, a property system method. I can't even think of a right word, but <laughs> a, a government scheme. Good thing. Oh, goodness. Uh, that we're trying to get on. Sure. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Good. All right. Why don't you tell me about something that's, that's awesome? And then we have a little bit more follow-up, and then we have some things to talk about. Yep. This week's episode is brought to you by Fracture, the company that will take your favorite images and print them directly onto glass for you to proudly display or give as gifts. Now, the team over at Fracture really wanted us to say a ginormous thank you to all of you who have been giving Fractures uh, to your friends, your family, and even just buying them for yourself and giving the great people over there in Gainesville, Florida, the chance to print your favorite photos for you. Uh, they consider that a great honor. And uh, we love that they think of it that way. As we said before, we love Fracture and we love the prints that they create. It has been fantastic working with them. I really love working with the people over there. And I also really love seeing the photos of the awesome prints that people have been sending in to me. Um, and they, I like it when people also send them to Fracture as well because it's just another confirmation, right, that they've bought them from <laughs> us. Uh, but I like seeing it because I like seeing that people are using our sponsors and they're getting something great. And a Fracture one is the nice thing to see a picture of. And the team at Fracture is super passionate about helping people display and celebrate their memories and accomplishments with the beautiful glass prints that they 
produce. And we love that you're helping support them and us by doing it. Now, there is something I want to mention. Uh, We've mentioned it in the past, but it's important to frame. Uh, No pun intended. Every fracture (laughs) is printed and hand-assembled in their fractury in Gainesville, Florida. Oh, my God. I've not heard that. Beautiful, right? Absolutely fantastic. When they said that to me today, this is what they call it, the fractury. I nearly fell off my chair. I was so excited. But this is the important thing you need to know. With the holidays coming up, they specifically requested that we mention that if you are considering, even just considering, giving a fracture or two as gifts this December, you should start making plans now, right? They get so busy during the holidays that they wanted me to mention this. This is the main part that they want me to talk about right now, is if you are thinking about giving fractures over the holidays, because they are fantastic gifts for family and friends, maybe you should think about getting those orders in as soon as possible. So, rescue those photos that are hidden away on your devices or the devices of others. Pick a few and have them on show, and this is the way that you should be doing it. You're going to love it. Head on over to FractureMe.com to learn more and get started. And if you use the code ANALOG, you will not only get yourself 15% of your first order, Order, you'll also be helping support this show. Once again, big thanks to Fracture for supporting Relay FM. And don't forget to send us the pictures that you have of your own fractures when you get them. Yeah, you know, I I always want to double down on the Fracture ads because really they are that good. And uh, was it Gray that had just talked about how he had always assumed they would be really, really heavy and ungainly and just kind of uh, difficult to to work with, for lack of a better way of putting it. But they're very light, not cheap, mm-hmm. mind you, just light. Um, this is glass and foam, right? right. They, they use a foam backing, which yeah. keeps them lighter. Yeah, and it, they're they're really tremendous. They really, really are. It, it, think of any good adjective that you would apply to something hanging on the wall, and it applies to a fracture. So definitely try it out. And they make wonderful, 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 wonderful gifts. Uh, I cannot stress it enough. Give it a shot. It'll be worth it. All right, Mike, tell me about uh, – you have listened to the, the episode of the show that you missed. Is that correct? Yeah, I have. Uh, why do I leave for a week and you turn my show into a car show? <laughs> what is this? It's, it's an improvement. I mean, um, we just had to fill in because you weren't there. What I love as well is that you both meant, or Stephen mentioned that like this wasn't planned like they did with Liftoff to to create a car show. Mm-hmm. However, all week people have been saying, oh, you're making a car show. <laughs> I would not complain. People is like you floor us once, you will not you will not fool us again. No, as far as I know, there's no plans for a car show. I know it's a type of show Stephen would want to do, and to, which he mentioned, and I think it would be something that would be interesting. I loved neutral personally, and I'm not a massive car guy, but I do I used to be more of a car guy, but I always really loved neutral. Uh, maybe one thing, maybe something at one point, but yeah, I just it just it made me smile that you're doing it, but I did enjoy the show very much. Oh, thank you. Uh, no, I thought uh, Stephen did a great job. Um, I don't, I genuinely do not believe a car show is coming to relay. As sitting here now, if a car show does come to relay sometime in the future, and you send me an overcast link of me saying, "Oh, I don't think a car show is coming to relay," I don't know. Maybe something will change, but. I do not believe that there is one coming to Relay. If there is, Mike and Steven haven't told me about it. Um, that being said, sign me up. I am yeah, ready. We have, nothing in, we have nothing in development right now. I am ready. We could do an incomparable style thing where we just, whoever's around, talks, you know, same time every week or every other week. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever you want to do, I'm ready. Sign me up. You should talk to Steven. Um, 
But there was something that you mentioned that I wanted to follow up on, which was my Twitter issue. So mm, in mm-hmm. between the time that the episode went out, uh, so in between the time that we recorded the episode and the episode went out of me uh, a couple of weeks ago with the problem I found with the 3,000 additional followers that I believe were bought for me, uh, Tenabe, who is at Tenabe in, on Twitter and usually in the chat room is Tenabe, took it upon uh, themselves to write a script which took a look at my follow account, then created a block list, because you know Twitter have these block lists, for me, and then sent it to me. I uploaded it, and it got rid of them all. And this act restored my faith in humanity, as we don't need to talk about this, but as you will know, Casey, I was feeling very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, about some things which we're going to talk about. It's mainly Twitter in general. I'm sorry, we're going to talk about Twitter again today, in a bit. Uh, but the f- like, I was uh, there was one person that did something that I wasn't overly happy with. Um, but then another listener took it upon themselves to fix it for no other reason than just to help, and that really helped balance the whole scenario for me. Yep, people aren't all terrible. Just a well, lot I still of them. don't even believe that that original person, nobody has spoken to me about it, was terrible. Oh, that's true. That's a very good point. But just did something weird. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, your faith in humanity is restored and that things are um, all squared away now. So are you – where are you in relation to me? I know that this is a not competition competition between it's us. about – Two and a half thousand behind. Catching up, um, catching up. Al- although I think it's a little less than 2,500 now. It's like 23 or something. So that that is how Yikes. I'm catching up. Yikes. So I am going to get you. I'm going to get you, and it's going to be a great day for me only. <sighs> Gosh. Yeah. You know, you associate with those uh, internet high rollers like CGP Grey, and that's what ends up happening. Yep. You associate with those internet high rollers like John Syracuse and Michael Arnold, <laughs> and this is what happens. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so now that we've just called each other out for having followers that we don't deserve, uh, tell me what else is going on. Any other follow-up? I just wanted to mention Thoroughly Considered, which is a new show uh, that we're doing on Relay. It's myself and the lovely guys over at Studio Neat, and we are chronicling the making of their current Kickstarter project, the OB, which is a smart laser toy for uh, for cats. So go check that out. Um, Go check out Thoroughly Considered. It's going to be an interesting ride as we kind of tell the story of what it takes to come up with an idea, put it on Kickstarter and beyond. So go check that out at relay.fm slash TC. I would appreciate that. Yep. I've already listened to the first episode. Um, I am predisposed to pretty much adore anything that Dan and Tom do because not only do I adore them, but I adore anything of theirs that I bought. Um, They really are awesome guys. They're they're the really annoying they're, – they're, they're the kind of guys that are really annoying because they're really successful and really humble and really nice. You know, it's not like, oh, there's that jerk who's so awesome at everything. You know, there he is again. It's just, oh, my God, there's that guy who's so awesome at everything, and he's nice. Oh, that's so annoying. Um, so that's them. So in summary, um, even though I consider them friends, they annoy the crap out of me because I wish I was more like them. But anyway, um, <laughs> suffice to say, they are they are really cool guys, and their products are awesome. And uh, I've listened to the first episode. It is very good. If you liked Behind the App at all in any way, shape, or form, um, this, I will say, I'm not putting words in Mike's mouth, but it, I will say that in my personal opinion, it's sort of a spiritual successor to that. It is. Um, similar style, similar yeah. approach, different content, of course. Um, but 
I really enjoyed it. And even though we have no pets, um, I am definitely going to listen to the rest of these episodes because I find it totally fascinating and very outside of the sort of thing that I normally think about. You know, when I create something, I'm just mashing on a keyboard. And when they create things, they're literally creating things. And so it's very, very good stuff. Uh, definitely check it out. Yeah, it is It is kind of the spiritual successor to Bahian, yeah. There's a lot of shared things going on there. Yep. All right. Uh, what else is going on? Any, uh, so, any other follow-up? No more follow-up, um, but I have a little topic that I want to discuss, um, which is I have as the header for this Twitter taking a break and the awfulness of the internet. Oh, this sounds like a delightfully happy topic. Yeah. So let's kind of frame it and we can chat around it. So when I was in Portland, I was mainly away from Twitter for the week, um, and I felt fine. I didn't really check it a bunch. Um, I didn't really reply to a lot of stuff that was coming in. I was like, because I was so, I was checking it so infrequently, many of the replies were kind of pointless. And then I was just kind of skimming through things. And maybe once a day, if I like was just, you know, chilling out for an hour or whatever, I might read some read some of the tweets that were happening but I wasn't really paying too much attention. And then I came back and I felt pretty refreshed. It was something that I felt like I needed to have that break from uh, that part of my internet life for a week because uh, I was kind of getting a bit uh, distressed with, with just that in general. Like, you know, a lot of the negativity and the, the complaining that you see people tweeting about um, a lot of the time. And I felt like I just needed a, a reboot from it all, um, which I think we all need to do every now and then. Um, and so I have mine. But as soon as I came back, like all of this ad blocking stuff started kicking off. And I don't really want to talk about the subject at hand uh, because I have really yet to kind of formalize any opinions on it. Um like the with the ad blocking thing, I was really struggling to think how I felt about it before, and then so much has happened since. I have no idea what's happening with, with my own <laughs> emotions and opinions. But there was a couple. There was basically what I was seeing was a couple of main things. There was the entitlement of people thinking that they should be getting content for free, and I use entitlement not in a bad way. Like people just feel that they are entitled to it, which is fine. But then also the defensiveness of publishers thinking that their terrible ads are okay, which also for them is fine. But this combo was leading for nastiness on both sides. There were people throwing jabs at each other constantly. Subtweeting was out of control. Um, then there was the whole thing with Peace and Marco and then what that did of all the publishers and all the regular people. And it was basically just a, like a three-day period as soon as I got home which was exhibiting for me the worst of what I think about Twitter because everyone had something to complain about. Everyone was complaining about somebody else and everyone was doing it behind people's backs, right? Subtweeting, stuff like that, which is a lot of my own problem with uh, my Twitter timeline. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I don't want to get into this, into the the three-day affair where the content blockers came out and iOS 9 came out and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I do want to mention that I also found it very frustrating. Um, it was a great example of me not listening to myself um, in that I saw a lot of people getting really angry at Marco. And I, I don't think it's wise for you and I to get into the motivations behind it, whether or not it's justified, etc. But I took a lot of offense at it. Um, in fact, probably more so than Marco did. Uh, and I got involved. Me with, and you can definitely not 
me and you, maybe on other shows, we both can do a good job of talking about it. But I think me and you talking about it would not do a good job about it because we get too emotional and it was a friend of ours. Like, yep. So that, that was one of the reasons I feel like I can't talk properly about it is because I know I'm biased. So, yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, but suffice to say, I saw a lot of people really giving Marco a hard time, which I found, and even having slept on it several times, find... Um, very unfortunate. Let's leave it at that. And I got involved yeah. in a few conversations that I don't necessarily regret getting myself involved in, but I don't know that it was necessarily constructive either. Um, Having taken the break that I did was good for me right then because I didn't feel the need to get involved in things that I didn't need to get involved in. Yeah, it's funny, you know, to, to turn this to a more general segue or uh, not segue, but a tangent. Um, it's hard it's hard to see a friend of yours get beat up, especially when you don't think it's deserved, and not to say something about it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I felt like people were beating the crap out of Marco, and I'm not saying I'm right, but in my personal opinion, I didn't think that was very deserved. Yeah, and, I feel the same, but it also comes because we're friends. Oh, sure. You know, uh, so I am, whether, you know, whatever the objective person's view on it, I just know what I feel about it. Yep. No, and I, I completely agree. I am not I, I am biased. I am absolutely biased. I I tried to be objective. I still think when I look at this as objectively as I am capable of doing, I agree with my um I agree with my um my opinion of this of the situation. Like I haven't changed my mind about the situation. Um but I found I found it very deplorable how a lot of people were treating Marco over three dollars like i don't know as soon as you hit two to ten dollars you can argue that ten dollars is not an insignificant amount of money but i don't know i've paid two dollars for a damn diet coke in a vending machine more than a few occasions and people were getting their junk in a wad over three dollars and it just being extremely vile and whether or not marco did the right thing Let's assume he didn't. Let's say for the sake of conversation that he did a terrible thing, just a terribly wrong decision. I just don't see how being vile to him solves that problem. And that's that's what bothered me about it more than anything else. Like, if you want to be mad at Marco, fine. You want to think he's an idiot, fine. You want to never buy anything of his, fine. You want to stop listening to ATP? I think that's silly, fine. But golly, the vile things that were being thrown at him were just... It, what? How is that constructive? That that's the question I keep asking myself. How is that constructive? And I just don't get it. But I'm sorry. I'm taking this on a tangent. I told myself I didn't want to go down. Here I am going down it. So, <laughs> let, rein me rein me back in, Mike. Turn this turn this back to something constructive. So, it was basically a just a, an event that proved to me that I was right in thinking that the way I was dealing with my especially my Twitter life, wasn't right for me. Mm-hmm. So, and this was underlined again by listening to you guys. I had been wanting to call my following list for a while, and you and Stephen were talking about that last week, um, and about how Stephen fixes his followers to 512, which I hadn't noticed, I don't think. I thought it was very funny. Yeah, I didn't and you, have way, you follow way less people than I do. And it's a daunting task to go through that list and get rid of people, but today I cut out 250. Whoa! So I unfollowed Holy 250 cow. people today. That's significant. 
Yep, so it's taken me down to like 600 and something I'm following, and I think I still have more to go. Wait, you're down to six? Golly, I've 696. So it's just about 700. I cut out 250 people today. God, I forget what I was at, but I'll call it 250. Whatever, it doesn't matter what the number is, but I'm at between 250 and 300. And seriously, I have like a tremendous conversation with myself every time I think about following somebody because. I feel like I'm adding a burden onto my world. And I I feel terrible when I unfollow people. And so I really, really, really try to avoid that. Now, a lot of times I don't think the person I'm unfollowing ever notices, but I feel terrible when I do it. And so I try very, very hard never to make a follow that I'm not going to stick with. And even at less than 300, I feel like I have 50 to 100 too many. I cannot imagine going down to 600 or whatever it is you just said you went down to. It's basically 700. <sighs> So I know I still have a long way to go, but for me, right, I follow... So Twitter is also a sor- my source of news. Mm-hmm. So I follow a bunch of accounts in that regard. There are lots of companies, but not like brands that I follow that barely tweet anything, like maybe some of my favorite developers or whatever who tweet when they have a new app that comes out. Mm-hmm. Right, So I follow a bunch of accounts like that. Um, but what I'm doing now, I don't know if I'm going to do a big cull again like that one. Maybe I will. I'm not sure because I felt like I put a, a, quite a bit of work into it today. Um, I may – well, what I am going to do now is what I had been doing for maybe the past few days prior to this was unfollowing people as I see them in my timeline and think about it. So like I see someone and I'm like – I want to follow you anymore. Like, do I even know who you are? Because that was something that I was seeing, right? Something come in. I'm like, why do I follow you? And I look at their profile. I was like, I don't know who you are. Like, I don't know who you are in even a non-personal way. And I don't know what you do. Like, why do I follow you? Um, so like I'm trying to get rid of people that way. And, and I'm trying to really scale it back. I mean, I like to follow more people than the average person, I say, because it is my complete um, Twitter is my complete timeline to the rest of the it, sorry my complete window to the rest of the internet. Mm-hmm. Like I don't read RSS, I don't read any news sites. It's where I kind of find everything. But like what I found was I was following too many people that work for the same publications. Um, I was following. Too many uh, news sites, and I was just following a bunch of people that like aren't. This is so horrible to say, but aren't interesting to me anymore. No, well, I mean so, that's the way it is. I've also, as well as that, I've done some permanent mutes as well. Um, so that's another thing that I'm doing. So the follower number is still high. The following number is still high, but the amount of tweets that I'm seeing is still reducing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there are some people that. I don't want to unfollow for for like uh, socio political reasons uh, and or because I like to be able to talk to that person via DM, but I'm just not interested in seeing the things that they have to say. Mm-hmm. All of you can think it's you. <laughs> um, so I'm yeah, I'm just at the point now where I, I know I need to start cutting this back. Um, and I've been and this this has been one thing. I've also just been thinking about what Twitter's place in my life is um like not only is it that news source and it's where i keep in touch with people that i'm interested in and 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 or care about um it's a place that's very important for me to promote the things that i do um and i try and be um 
I try and be very strict about the way that I do that. I have like my own internal guidelines that I live by. So like I I always make a fuss when we launch a new thing because I think you should. Um I very rarely tweet episodes of specific shows unless I really think they're good ones. I agree. I'm the same way. Um so then I do that cuz with the amount of stuff that I do there's no point in me tweeting a link to everything cuz it's too much. Like it, it would just be too much. It would be like so many of my tweets every day because I I have mm-hmm. so many shows. If I tweet a link to every show, that's like an additional six or seven tweets a week just based on me tweeting links, which I know is not a lot, but it feels like a lot. And as well, like if you if you like tweet a link to everything, the really special stuff doesn't get the chance to shine. Yep, I think. Um, there's that great line in The Incredibles, right? Like, if everyone's special, no one's special at all, or whatever the actual line is. But that's the way that I think about it. Um, I also very, very rarely, if at all, ever retweet nice things people say about me. Oh, yeah. Have we talked about that on air? We have. We have. We okay. spoken about that. Because I just, it just annoys oh. me. It's a thing mm-hmm. that annoys me when people do it, so I don't do it. Yep. Um, but... As well as Twitter being my news source, the place where I keep up with people and the place I promote things, it's also full of things I don't want to see. So views I disagree with, people being mean to me or people that I care about, or things that just make me angry. And I don't read news, right? I don't read the news at all. We will talk about this one day. I've been meaning to bring this up for a long time. We we still have yet to talk about this properly. And the reason, main reason I don't do that is because I don't like things to occupy my mind when I don't want them to. I don't want things getting into my brain that I don't have some control over. And I have realized, I've come to the realization that I do not follow this rule with Twitter. And there's too many things in it now that are that I am allowing to get into my brain that I wouldn't put there if I had the choice. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's like one of the things I'm talking about, negativity and stuff. I'm trying to maybe get rid of some people uh, or some some entities that I feel are too negative. Um, and or trying to, you know, I mentioned like following too many people at the same news outlet. That's a, a thing that I've been guilty of. And what you end up there is just seeing the propaganda of an entity. <laughs> like, and that's taking it to the extreme. But, you know, if you if everybody were, if you've got like six reporters working for one website, they're all going to like, they're all going to, praise and hate the same things to a certain extent like if that entity believes in something that's incredibly important i'm clearly talking about the ad blocking they are all going to go along with that line no matter what they may or may not believe yeah yeah yeah. because they're you know their life is at stake which i understand but you can kind of i feel like i get a little bit like just dragged by it um but yeah that is my current feelings on twitter and I bring this up, and I know it's Twitter is a topic that we've done to death, but it really is the internet for me. It's the backbone of my internet experience. So if we are ever going to talk about the internet, which obviously we are going to, Twitter is always going to be a prevalent thing. And just as I have started to feel differently about it, um, I wanted to share the way that I've been feeling because I think that a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about here is not because I'm a celebrity, yeah, I yeah. think that so many people listening to this show should think about the thought process that I've gone through because if you spend as much time on Twitter as I do every day, which is likely, then you are potentially allowing your own moods to be affected by these things 
Um, and I think that that stuff can be dangerous to like to a point. Uh, so I think it's just something that, that is worth thinking about. Yeah, I agree. And um, roundabouts of the end of last year, I was starting to get really turned off by Twitter. And the, and the tough thing is, as someone who, I can't think of a better way to phrase this, and this is a really self-involved way to phrase it, but as someone who fancies himself a hopeful one-day internet persona, I was going to say celebrity, let's go with persona, um, Twitter is an important part of that, right? You know, to promote yourself just by way of being in front of people. And not not by retweeting when people praise me, which, ugh. but anyway, the point is, um, I, I feel like Twitter is a part of the livelihood that is the side hustle that I talk about so often. And so to just divorce myself of it, I don't think is constructive nor productive, but I do agree that it controls my mood way more often than it should. And this whole ad block kerfuffle is a great, great, great example. I got genuinely friggin' angry about it. And I'm just thinking about it and getting genuinely friggin' angry about it because I just feel like people were jerks and I shouldn't expose myself to that and or I need to learn to let it bounce off of me better. Um, Twitter's a tough thing though because I think it is, as with many things, it is unbelievably awesome and wonderful and helpful and empowering as well as depressing, frustrating, um, and in a lot of ways awful, like you had said. Um, I don't know. It's a, t it's a very weird thing. It's a tough thing. Um, it's weird because I love Twitter despite so many of its faults. And I feel like when I talk to someone who's really into Reddit, they say similar things. And I look at them and I'm like, Reddit is just a cesspool. Like, why are you so into that? Like, personally, I am not a fan of Reddit. I, I, I look at it from time to time because there are a lot of things that admittedly are only on Reddit, but I don't get the draw. I think it's kind of blah. Um, but I think uh, your, your average, like, super Redditor would probably say the same, same things about Twitter, that it's just a cesspool and it's kind of blah and they don't get it. And I think we're both right and we're both wrong, you know, and, and I kind of wish I understood Reddit. I kind of wish I understood the draw. I know that, um, that you've gotten more into it recently by way of Cortex. Um, I, I don't, I don't get it today and maybe I'll get it tomorrow, but I don't know. It's just, it's funny that whatever you kind of take to be it Twitter or be it Reddit or whatever, it kind of becomes your home. And as with so many things, once you've lived there for a while, you kind of start to see the cracks in the foundation. Reddit to say, I spend any time on Reddit is kind of wrong. Like I see like reddit.com slash CGP gray is like a totally different website. <laughs> that's all I do. Like I am subscribed. I subscribe to every unsubscribe to every subreddit. Like I, when I open my the Reddit apps that I use, the only things that I see in there is gray stuff because mm -hmm. I just treat it as like a feedback system, of which it's probably the best feedback system I've ever used for podcast feedback. Um, because fundamentally, the great part about it is the feedback is not directly at the hosts. Mm -hmm. People put things in there and then other people talk about them and then sometimes me and Gray get involved sometimes they ask us questions um, and we can answer but sometimes they ask us questions and other people answer them for us 
And that on paper, that sounds not just appealing, but very appealing. Yes. So, so, I hear you. Uh, at one point, like I think about looking at doing more Reddit stuff for other relay stuff. I think it would be beneficial. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll end up there for uh, analog. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. Reddit, man. Mm. I haven't got much more to say on Twitter right now, but that's where I'm feeling. I'll let you know as I progress down this path how that ends up working out for me. Yeah. All right. Please do. Um, anything else before we relay some feels? Nope. Not for me. Excellent. All right. Tell me about what's awesome. Red Hat. What does it mean when every commercial bank in the Fortune 500 relies on Red Hat for enterprise software, or every department in the executive branch of the U.S. government, or every airline in the Fortune Global 500? Well, it means that more than 90% of all of the companies in the Fortune 500 understand the value of supported enterprise open source and uh, software and what it can bring to their businesses. If the value of open source is the rapid innovation, freedom, and interoperability that comes with community-powered technology, then the value of Red Hat is taking responsibility for that test technology, testing it, enhancing security, and certifying that it will work in your data center. So, what is Red Hat doing that is making such a big difference? Well, it's simple. Simple, but not easy. They make sure you can get all of the benefits of open source without the risk of doing it all yourself. No one else can make that promise, much less keep it. So visit redhat.com to see how they can help your enterprise with application development, storage, and cloud computing. Red Hat, different for the sake of better technology. Okay, so the first uh, relay of fields this week comes from Jonah. And this is directed to you, Casey. Mm -hmm. Do you ever think about Declan finding your blog from when Aaron got pregnant and thinking about how he might react? Uh, Yeah. Uh, I've talked, I feel like on this show, but I've talked somewhere in the past about how Declan has a a very peculiar opportunity and perhaps even curse in that he can hear his dad talk about him and just things in general more than almost any other kid in the world. Cause I did an, an hour to two to sometimes three hours of ATP a week from geez, what was it? It was uh, April of 2013 until he was born in, in October, 2014. And it continues today. Um, he can hear me in a way that most sons cannot hear their fathers. A lot of it is, probably going to be crap he just just could not possibly care less about especially by the time he would ever even take the slightest interest in listening but i've thought about how you know if these files survive you know by way of backup and and just general storage if these survive until the time that he's my age let's say um that could be a very interesting way to get to know your dad that not a lot of sons can do and to more directly answer your question in terms of the blog, I think it's more of the same. It's a little different with the with the podcast because he's literally hearing me in my own voice. But I I think I hope that he will find it neat that he can go back and see some of this. I'm also scared though that he'll go back and be upset and or embarrassed that so much of this was out there. I don't know how I would feel if my parents announced to the world um, that they had trouble having me. I think that would make me a little uncomfortable. But at the same time, especially once I got older, like as I am now, I think I would appreciate it and, and respect it. And certainly I vividly remember taking screenshots, which I believe are in day one, 
of the traffic that that post got, that the finally post got. And I was doing something like 200 or 300, maybe even 400 simultaneous users, particularly once Marco linked to it. And people from all around the world wrote me to say, oh my God, I can't believe that somebody else is going through this like I am. And I don't know, I would hope that if it were me, if I were Declan, that inspiring that kind of reaction would be kind of neat. And it would, maybe one day he'll look at all the Twitter replies to to the tweet when we announced his birth and be kind of, he would, maybe he'll find that kind of cool. And uh, Slade401 said in the chat, you know, are you are you making a conscious effort to try to help these files survive? Hells yes, I am. Um, every time I do a guest spot, the first thing I do once the episode is released before I even make a blog post about it is I copy it onto my Synology and that gets backed up to the cloud. Um, I am trying desperately to make sure pictures survive and these audio files survive. It may end up that nobody ever listens to them. Um, as in like none of my family members, but what an awesome and cool archive to have of your dad or even an uncle or a cousin or something like that. Someone that's related to you. What a cool archive to have if, if possible, I just, I, I don't know. I think if so I here's were the thing I wonder about that mm-hmm. in its current state now, will it be readable in 20 years? Oh, it's a perfectly great question. Like how many word perfect files have you opened lately? Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to start, but it's like, you think about it, floppy disks, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about here. Yes and no though, because in theory, these files should survive nah. Because it's what my point is. It's it's not relying on anything physical anymore, right? It's just a file on a drive. And yeah, but what if those files can't be like the MP3 doesn't even exist? Sure, anymore? sure, and and that's certainly possible. I mean, how many word like I said, how many word perfect files have you opened lately? Uh, for for Stephen's benefit, how many Clarisworks file files have you opened lately? You're just gonna have to be good and move all this stuff. Well, and that's the thing is that I will have to move the files, and if there t- comes a time that. I see that MP3s are kind of just going away. I'm going to have to transcode them all and make them, you know, whatever the new file format is. I like to think that MP3s are about as close to plain text as you can get with audio, but Oh, don't you got you've got to change what you just said there. Okay, why? <laughs> well, cuz it's like, you know, it compressed, right? Well, you sure so they're but- not. No, no, I'm talking about in terms of ubiquity, right? You know, almost ah, anything. right, okay. okay almost cool. anything can read an MP3 file. It is not a perfect uh, representation of what came out of my mouth. It is compressed. It's It's been m- messed with and whatnot. But almost anything can read, read an MP3 file. And so I would hope that over time this would, this would stay readable. But, yeah, maybe there'll come a time I'm going to have to move – where you'll transcode hundreds of episodes of ATP and analog and guest spots and whatnot to, to the to the MP32 format or what have you. You never know. <laughs> MP32. <laughs> so are you gonna, you're, you're going on a record now? Mm-hmm. You heard it here first, that? kids. Okay, great. Uh, Ova wrote in and said, So, Mike, you're a top buttoner. And that is in reference to the updated photo <laughs> on our Relay FM about page, which Tiff Ahmed took for me and Stephen, along with my new avatar photo. And you will clearly see that uh, I am standing next to an American who not only has a top button undone, he's wearing an undershirt 
which is a very American thing to do, by the way. Both of which are the one and only way to, uh, to wear a button-down shirt. That is the correct way to wear a button-down shirt. This top button business is ridiculous. Unless you come where I come from, where top buttoning a button it's suffocating. Shirt. It's no wonder you have a stiff upper it's lip. Not, There's nowhere else for the blood to go. It's not suffocating. Oh, and God. this is one of those things where people think that I'm crazy, and then I have to point them to Matt Alexander, who will confirm that that is a stylish thing to do in Britain. It very well may be a stylish thing to do in Britain, but it's freaking uncomfortable, and it looks ridiculous to me. I'm not I don't saying, find it uncomfortable. Oh, you're insane. The first thing I would do as soon as I got away from whatever situation I was in that caused me to button the top button, which in turn means I'm wearing a tie, um, it, it, the first thing I would do once I walked away from that situation is unbutton the top button, loosen the tie, and if possible, untuck my shirt. I don't tuck my shirt, Sam. You button the top button into... Oh, my God. I clearly do not understand fashion. I can't handle this conversation. Tracy said, uh, what are your <laughs> thoughts on Mike being right about the iPad Pro? What do you think, Casey? What are your thoughts on that? Because you know that Mike was right about this as well, right? I'm sure you've been keeping track. <laughs> All right. So I have to say right now, I know I'm being really annoying to people and stupid about this. I do feel really proud of myself for making that prediction because I, I think that my prediction was correct and that I predicted way back uh, on Apple's last earnings call that they would announce the iPads with the iPhones. And my reasoning for that was that I believed that, well, because it's Apple's most uh, most watched event of the year and they want it, They would want to get the iPads out there at the same time, so people would see what they were talking, what they were promoting. Because the iPad event is nowhere near as popular as the iPhone event, right. and I feel that all of that was underlined by the fact that the iPhones came out last on stage. Yeah, I don't know. So, how do I feel about it? Yeah, I, proud I, of me. I am proud of you for the <laughs> iPad announcement call. I, uh -huh. when you first said it, I thought you were out of your damn mind. The more I thought about it, the more I thought, eh, you might be onto something here. I still wasn't really sure by the time the event happened. Um, as it turns out, obviously you were right. I am all in on the hashtag Mike was right with regard to the iPad announcement. However, the plus club is absurd to me. That is the most ridiculous it's thing. Growing, man. It is growing, it's the, and it's absurd. Neil Patel to said today that it's the best. It's the best of the two. Okay, now, you can't see me shaking my head, and I think I might have <laughs> sprained my eyes from rolling them so hard. But whatever, um, I cannot get behind the Plus Club, but I can get behind you being right about the iPad event. And in, and even Gruber, who is kind of the grand poobah of Apple um, prognosticators. He yep. said, no freaking way. That made me feel better. Yeah. You know, that he said it and I, st and I was still stuck to my guns. I, I wavered, but I stuck <laughs> to my guns. Yeah. And I am proud of you for that. I am proud of you for doubling down on all that. Um, that Mike was right. I'm okay with, and I am proud of you for this plus club mumbo jumbo has got to stop though. It's ridiculous. So the reason that I am unreasonably proud of myself for, for my first real piece of Apple punditry is because I realized that for to to continue to be relevant, I have to have thoughts like this, and then be correct. Yeah, do you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I have to 
if I want to continue talking about Apple stuff with the people that I get to talk about Apple stuff with, I have to have my own thoughts and feelings and uh, opinions about this stuff that ends up being right. Because that shows that maybe I do have some interesting opinions when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah, I actually, um, I have on, on my list of many things that I have um, a guilt or maybe a chip on my shoulder about. One of them is feeling, you know, like I don't belong. And we've talked about that a lot. And I feel like it would really help me feel like I belonged if I could come up with a bombshell like this. And I haven't yet, but I'm hoping one day it'll happen. You know what I, I think is funny about this kind of thing? Like, nobody will remember it because I didn't write it down. Well, you talked about it a lot on podcasts, though. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like, there's no yeah. record of it. Right? Well, maybe you should have a blog. And that's the funny thing about the sort of stuff that we do is it doesn't get written down, so it just gets written off. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. But I don't know. I am proud of you for for Mike was right on the iPad Pro announcement. Um, but this this Plus Club business, do not want. Do not want. Finally today, Nicholas said that uh, he envies my beard abilities, as everybody should, I think. <laughs> God, don't encourage him. Uh, don't encourage him. It's not going to get much longer than this before I have it cut again, just so you know. All right. Well, that makes me feel slightly better. I don't know. I still like, I think it was at like a wedding reception or something like that. Whatever you were using as your profile picture for forever and a day, I still think that's the correct length of beard. Ooh. Oh, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't. I mean, I was talking to Jason. Oh, no wonder you look so happy. Everyone's happy when you're talking to Jason. But either way, um, I like that. Uh, I like that. My beard isn't much longer than that right now. Mm. I don't know. It's a little I, I've, bit longer. I haven't seen you in person in a while, Tier. Um, but nevertheless, it, it the pictures made me think it was a fair bit longer than than that picture that I'm talking about. I don't. I'm just. I was talking to Aaron about this the other day. I know that I am not trendy and not fashionable, mostly because Joe Steele makes fun of everything I do wear and say about clothing. Actually, and Matt Alexander as well. Um, but also because you make yourself an easy target. Uh, I just because make, you bring it up like this. Well, and I guess that's true. But yeah, you know, we go to these um, football games during the fall every. Er, well, not every Saturday, but many Saturdays in the fall. Um, because we have season tickets to Aaron's alma mater, um, the University of Virginia. And so I'll, I'll walk around their campus, which they refer to as grounds. So I'll walk around grounds and I'll see these kids and all the um, all the teenage kids, the, the guys, have their white athletic socks pulled up halfway up their calves. Which when I was in school, both high school and college, that was like number one nerd alert is having your socks that tall and that high up. And suddenly that's like the in thing to do. And that just is completely inexplicable to me. And the fact that I am so completely confused by this makes it clear to me that I am absolutely out of touch with anything fashionable. Um, and if I didn't know it from that, then I'd know it with, because of everything that Matt Alexander or Joe Steele ever says to me. And I and the thing is, I look at Matt and I'm like, you know, he's really well put together, and uh -huh. nothing that he wears strikes me as 
inscrutable. He doesn't, at least right. around me, to my recollection, he doesn't button his top button. Like, that's completely inscrutable. But he's very he's a very well-put-together man, and I just, I don't think I could pull off half the things he wears. And even if I could, even if he told me, put this on, or, or I guess I should say, without him telling me, put on this exact outfit, I would never know what to do. Basically, like, at least 50% is... Of, of being stylish is having the confidence in what you wear. Oh, yeah, which is never going to happen for me. Right. So that's why, like, it, what Matt wears is good stuff, but it's simple stuff. Like, he doesn't wear outlandish things, not like crazy looking things, but he just knows he looks good wearing it. Yeah. Right? Because he does. And he knows that. And that's right. I forgot. I knew I'd gotten on the segue from somewhere else. And that's what I was trying to come back to. I'd forgotten. Um, the reason that uh, the other reason that I know that I'm out of touch with reality when it comes to fashion, if not any other, if nothing else, is not only the socks halfway up the calves, but beards are so freaking in right now, so in, yes, and I have no f-ing desire to have one. And I'm sorry, you're gonna have to bleep that, but I have no desire to have a beard whatsoever. The only reason you will see me in a beard is because I'm too damn lazy to shave for a few days. That is the only reason. I just, and I'm not saying it's wrong for you, Mike. I'm not saying you should doubt yourself. You are clearly the one that is right in this conversation. But I just don't get it. I think beards are, I was going to say ridiculous, but that's not fair. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And I just don't, I don't think I look good with a beard. I think I look silly. Yep. I got nothing. I don't know. It upsets me that you feel that way because I think you look great with a beard. You sent me a picture once of you with a beard and I liked it a lot. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you to say. In the winter, I think it was. It Maybe it was over Christmas. Was. It probably was. It might have been. It may have been um, a November, not this past, but the one prior, um, where our, our office does Movember. M-O-V-E-M-B-E-R. Um, so it's like Oh, yeah, mustache. so you think it's... We've been through this before, so you think it's acceptable to grow a beard during Movember. <laughs> right, exactly. And then I'll, then I'll shave it down to just the stash for one day, get completely embarrassed, and then shave the stash off and go back to reality. Um, and I, so I might have sent you a picture of me with a beard at the, at the summation of Movember immediately before shaving that off. And that, that is about as furry as I've ever gotten. And I do find it amusing for like a week or two, and then I just, and then I'm just counting down the days until I can shave it all off. Just make it go away. I don't want it. Go away. Die, die, die. That's how I feel about that. I think that about wraps it up. (laughs) Have I told you, Mike, that your beard is lovely? Not enough. (laughs) I think it's lovely. I just want you to know. Okay, Casey.